Transfixed by the figure of the pianist sitting in front of the grime-covered vanity, you begin to wonder why all of this feels so familiar. Nothing in your memories is quite like this room. None of the figures of the people in your life, your mother, the postman, your father, the current mayor, are quite like the figure of the pianist in front of you. Yet you can't put your finger on what sets this room and this person apart from the other memories you have. The pianist wipes her face with a moth-eaten rag, and despite the curiosity gnawing away at the back of your head, you decide to wait for her to finish before pressing on. My dear child, she says, when did I last see you? I don't remember, you find yourself saying. I can't remember ever being here. Is that so, the pianist says. That might explain a few things. She lifts the rag from her face and turns to you. Her skin is gone. Her face is gone. You find yourself staring at the skeletal face of the pianist. You search the moth-eaten rag in her still-skinned hands and see the slimy veneer of her human face there in a stained puddle. Your, your face, you mutter in shock. You don't mind, do you? The skeletal pianist asks. The darn thing just gets so itchy. Her human hands scratch the bare bones of her face. As you can imagine, I'm sure. You can't, but you feel it impolite to share this. Are you... dead? The piano says. Yes. All who enter this place are. The wolves who so viciously attacked you on that one night were gunned down by a particularly anguished and desperate mayor. That same mayor was executed for entering the forest without the permission of those grand elders and eldresses that control everything in your town. Those psychopaths and cretins all died from exposure. And the short man with the long arms? Oh, Theodore? He just opens the door. So he's alive? I'm not sure to be honest, the pianist says. He just opens the door. The pianist begins to peel away at the loose skin that should be her neck. The folds slip off like a skin-tight suit and peels from her collarbone to her arms down her torso to her legs. She shakes off the suit as it clings to her feet. You feel the need to look away, as though you're seeing something private. Oh, come on now, the pianist says. Nothing you haven't seen before. What do you mean? You're a fucking skeleton. A talking, moving skeleton. I can say with a hundred percent certainty, I have never seen you before. And before you can complete your sentence, you fall into a memory as easy as shedding a skin suit to reveal the skeleton underneath. You find yourself in the kitchen of your childhood and hear the soft humming of your mother, the curt whistling of your postman, and the hammy grunts of your father pretending to read the morning paper. You look down and see the body of your youth clad in polka-dotted pink bunny pajamas 
and the walls seem to stretch on forever skyward. You walk into the kitchen and announce that you want pancakes. Your mother's humming stops. The postman's whistling stops. Your father continues his grunts of what you think now might have supposed to have been the pleasure of reading the paper, but at the time just seemed like genuine effort. Your mother and postman turn towards you, a dish in your mother's hand and a letter in the postman's. Your mother continues to wash the dish and the postman moves his hand in turn as if mimicking her. Pancakes are for girls who wake up in time for school, your mother explains at the same time as the postman. You feel tears well up in your eyes and can recall the rest of the chiding that's about to play out. Only it doesn't. The room freezes. Even your father's incessant and persistent reading grunts. You look to your mom. To the face you can recall so easily as it became a beacon of comfort and warmth in the days of your father's cruel reign as mayor. And her face fades. You can no longer recall it. As if someone flipped a switch, the face of your mother is gone. So too is the postman. All of him despite him being there so clearly just moments before, washing his letter. The kitchen walls begin to break apart, and as clear as a thunderclap in your ears, in your soul, you hear the pianist say with a stern and calm voice, Remember. Remember. Welcome back to the Frightened Times here on Zero Credits. As always, I am Haunted Henry. And uh, my name's John. And together we bring you this public service announcement. We are in a burn water notice. Burn your water, folks. It is the only way to win against the water. As the water comes out of the tap, you've got to set it on fire. Yes, some people think boiling water is is good to drink. No, 
You burn that water to ash. The boi- being boiled is what the water wants. It makes it more powerful. It makes it excited and it starts dancing. You need to set that water ablaze to teach it to not be contaminated. And then you should scatter the ashes of the water in the ocean. <laughs> exactly. Thereby completing the cycle. I like to call it the burn water cycle. And then finally the water can go to hell where it belongs. Yes. Where it is sorely needed. So, so John. Yes. I don't know if you've noticed. I don't know if you've noticed that we do this podcast in Austin. Wait, hold on. <laughs> I'm sorry, my lips are bleeding. <laughs> because of how dry they are? Yeah, I haven't had a drink of water in over a week. It's... <laughs> the water... The, the, the water notice... The, the water ban, as it were, started two days ago, though, John. Yeah, I, I didn't think this would strike us. I really had my next scheduled water visit a lot sooner. Well, I like to go a good five days without drinking water and then re-up. Just to prove that you can? Yeah. Because those other sissies, they're, they're drinking water every day. They say the human body can't survive without water, but let me tell you, it can't. <laughs> <laughs> and I do need to drink it, but for slightly longer than you think. Well, that's a shame because we're, as stated, burn water notice. There's a water ban in the city of Austin, the city where the Frightened Times headquarters are located, sort of, because I always end it within downtown L.A. That's neither here nor there. And uh, if we if we keep having to burn our water... Now, here's the reason why you're burning the water. It dirty. It dirty. That water, real dirty, could get dirtier. And if we don't stop, we'll run out of water. And some people think, hey, dirty water, put soap in water, but then can't drink because soap. You can't drink soap. It's a classic, uh, what do you call that in uh, in rhetorical? It's uh, uh, an ipsum factum argument. Uh, They call that a give me 22, oh wait, can't catch because can't run no far. (laughs) No water, good. (laughs) No water, good. Soap and water, can't drink water. Argument. I think what we're proving here is the scientific fact that when no drink water, no good words come out. It's it's really true. I can't talk, Tay. Because no water. Because no water. Soap and water can't drink. This is going to be bad. Because podcast we do. Podcast we do. If water ban, no lift, we die. We die. As podcast and as people. So apparently you can wash your body... In this water. That's the weirdest thing. The weirdest thing. I looked up. I was like, all right, what does a water ban mean for me, a human person who needs to shower? Yes. And they were like, oh, just don't have your mouth open in the shower. And I'm thinking, there's a lot of more ways water can get in my body than my mouth. Like, it can go through your eyes. It can Mm -hmm. go up your nose, into your ears. Plus... I don't know if you know this, there are small holes all over your skin called pores that water can just seep into. And microabrasions on your skin. Now, the reason for that is uh, the pathogens that we're most concerned about being in water, they really just ruin your digestive system. If there was a pathogen in the water, let's say, for instance, there was something like a flesh-eating bacteria in the water, which uh, there could be. Uh, if there was, don't get in open wounds. But for the most part... You can, like, have water on your skin, get water, I guess, in your mouth, as long as you don't immediately swallow, like, a big, heavy gulp of it. But, uh, and also there's no known pathogens in our water right now. Yeah. So you could probably drink the water and be fine. The, the, it's just a... In fact, I fucking dare you. <laughs> <laughs> 
What is wrong with you? No. There's a water pain, John. Jesus Christ. What's wrong with you? I'm just saying, you want to be so high and mighty. Just take a sip of that water. John, I can't because part of the water ban notice is that we're supposed to reduce the amount of water that we're not using. Yeah, the uh, we're supposed to reduce the amount of water we're not supposed to use by 15% or we genuinely risk running out of water. Because, you know, Austin actually has pretty significant water restrictions for the fact that our uh, water filtration and water supply is not enough to keep up with how many people live here. And we've been hanging by a thread for a while, apparently. I think this is just more justification to support Big Coke, a cola, and just start showering and brushing your teeth with Coke Zero Sugar, which can be bought at any local grocery store. You have all you need with Coke Zero Sugar. You have a toothpaste. Just mix it with some activated charcoal. You make activated charcoal by burning woods and houses. And water. And water. And then just brush your teeth with it. Yeah. And just pray to God you don't rinse your mouth out. Rinse your mouth out with bourbon whiskey. Well, here's the thing. I don't know if a lot of people know this, because it's not what I was taught, but it's what I've learned since. When you brush your teeth, water ban or no, don't rinse your mouth out when you're done. Really? The the toothpaste needs to sit on your teeth to activate some of the chemicals, like the fluoride and stuff. It does better if you wait a little while or just don't do it at all. What if you use a mouthwash? Uh, That's a really great question. That's an Honestly, it's a really good question. I have no answer for you. Because I use a whitening mouthwash that I'm supposed to keep in my mouth, but if you swallow it, it makes you throw up. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a lot of mouthwashes. What I do, I used a mouthwash for like a month or so, but it was killing some of the skin in my inner mouth, and oh. it was coming out as this weird stringy mucus. Uh-huh. And I was like, fuck that. So I stopped using it. Well, what if it's just the weak skin it's getting rid of? That's, what it, that's exactly what it was. Oh. Well, fuck that weak skin. But no, but it came out as a gross stringy mucus yeah. from my mouth. Yeah. In front of people. In the days of the water ban, don't you wish you had saved that stringy mucus so you could wring the water from it? At, no, not at the cost <laughs> of becoming a weird slug mouth man. Now, speaking of skin, I do actually have a, a pretty interesting Frightened Times update. Oh, good. Uh, I would just like to make everyone aware, uh, and I know I might sound a little bit smug this episode, but... Uh, it's finally come out. The results are in. So, uh, and I mean, I know that you and I have had some disagreements about this in the past, but, and I'd like to air this on air. I'm not sure if you've read about it, but, uh, you know that skeleton you're so proud of? Oh yeah, I love it. I keep it in my bones. The, the skeleton at the inside of your body you're so covetous of? The one that's wet and moist and kind of warm? Well, studies have come out today to show that that skeleton will molder in the ground forever. So... Good. Enjoy it while you can. Wait, good? Are you are you happy about that? Wait, what's the word molder mean? It'll just stay down there forever. Yeah, I'm super proud of my skeleton. God damn it. No, like... I knew you proud skeleton people <laughs> would be happy that you're clogging up the earth. I, I Look, I know you skin boys are more proud of your skin than your skeletons. Yeah. But the fact that my skeleton's gonna live on in the dirt... When I'm long gone and, and have all these dirt adventures, which I only assume are wonderful and magnificent, otherwise why would people be having them? Fair. 
My skeleton's gonna stand the test of time, John. I don't understand, you sk- you 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 bone man dinosaurs. We skin boys, we get a new skin every seven years. It's always a new adventure. Sure, we, we kind of die every seven years, but also our consciousness is stored in our skin. That's the narrative. Uh, but you know, it's a whole thing. Look, bone man dinosaur group know how to live. <laughs> And live long, cause never die. Look, I think that uh, Skin Boy Flesh Group, Skin Boy Flesh Crew, uh, the Skin Boys, we uh, live life to the fullest. Consequences be damned. Look, consequences have big issue for Dinosaur Bone Man, cause consequences could break bone, which is bad. Yeah, but that's why we don't care. Consequences. Who cares if you're going to be dead and replaced in seven years by a perfect older version of yourself with more wrinkles and cancer? No. Dinosaur Bone Man keep growing forever. Longest bone wins. Look, I think we're just going to have to agree to disagree. The age-old partisan debate of skin versus bone has to be allayed to another day. In frightened times, all with skin and bone win. Although skin fall off when drink water. I just hope in the upcoming election no one votes for sinew. That's throwing your vote away. I know. Yeah, these third party sinews Sinews. coming in with their let's all just ban taxes. (laughs) Let's ban taxes on stringy masses inside of our bodies. Yeah. Ludicrous. Just splitting that vote right down the middle. Yeah, which I will do to your body to expose your skeleton and kill you. You can't kill skeleton. Skeleton immortal unless drink water. Oh, shit. Fuck. Because then skeleton get weak and brittle. I guess it's true what they say. What do they say, John? Oh, uh... Please tell me. You you can never win. (laughs) I forgot. In the Game of Life, this is from that that good series, Game of Thrones, everyone likes. In the Game of Life, you can never win. (laughs) It's it's a real downer when uh, Little Face says that. Yeah, and then uh, also in... uh, and and Chris Nolan's uh, Dark Knight. Uh-huh. He's the Aaron Eckert character. One of the most classic examples of uh, flesh versus bone. Yeah. And then the Eric Edgar character has a line that everyone says. You either <laughs> you either live or you die. Yeah, that's it. it. Either either live or you die. And I mean, that speaks to... This is why those movies were so genius. Because it speaks to the ethos of his character of of live live dead. Where one half of his body is alive and the other half is dead. (laughs) And you can see, he actually is the perfect epitome of the argument we're having. Because one half of him is skin... And the other half is bone. Yeah, it's 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 really perfect. Man, live dead, best Batman character all time. I'm really glad they're uh, they're bringing him back for the for the DCU. In what? You know, just I don't know. A movie. He's gonna be an Aquaman. Yeah, he's gonna be an Aquaman. He's gonna be riding like some kind of seahorse. <laughs> Aquaman's like, my brother killed my dad, and now he's the king. And he shows up, he's like, I'll represent you. <laughs> He is a lawyer. He is a lawyer. Which, once again, perfect characterization. Lawyers are the only occupation that is both living and dead. Exactly. Oh, man. What a good Frightened Times update that was. Man, I feel like that's the punchiest we've been in the the start of an episode in quite some time. Uh, It's the water ban. 
Waterburn. Waterburn. Speaking of water, as you know, John, have you ever been to a classic Texas institution water burner? Oh, yeah. Wherever when you walk in, they go, What a burner. Yeah, every day. And you get the water chicken. (laughs) The water chicken. Which is just a seahorse. Whew. Anyway, I'm exhausted. As you know, John. I have to start this over. Every episode of The Frightened Times has a theme. Yes. Remember all the classic themes we've gone through this year. Fear. (laughs) Yeah, I guess, yes. I guess fear. Urban legends. Urban legends, yes. Yeah, um, I forget them all. Fear. The water. Urban legends. I need water. Yeah. I can't remember things, but we, we did urban legends. We did urban legends of like... The ones we grew up with. Yeah. Urban legends of the city. Yeah. Urban legends of the internet. Yes. And tonight, in celebration of the water burn ban. Now, please, please join me in the, in the actual celebratory song of the water burn ban. (laughs) (laughs) Our theme tonight is what we covet the most. <laughs> and these are post-Water World times. And I'm not talking about the movie. Yeah, though we do technically live in a post-Water World world. Yeah, a post-Water World world. I'm talking about the theme tonight. The theme tonight is urban legends surrounding water. The most valuable resource in the world. I uh, discovered in my searching, I think that we had a pretty similar kind of search threads for these things. Uh... Urban legends surrounding water, very prevalent. It's one of the most common themes in urban legends. It's almost like the planet is covered in 70% water. Is that true? 70? That seems high. Yeah, that seems like... It's... 60% water. I'm gonna say 70% water. Alright. That would seem right. I don't know. Uh, But yeah, it's almost like it makes up most of the world, so there would be a... Like, if you look at the spectrum of time from urban legends, a lot of them from... Like, the beginning of history have to be focused around water, because water is an essential, uh, for most of humanity, kind of unknowable quantity. You know you have to drink it, but what's the deal with water? Yeah. It's different than everything else. It's in every liquid we've ever drank. Why do you drink it sometimes and you die? That's a good question. Hard to say. Uh, And then when human beings started to uh, inhabit the sea, when you had, you know, har har, the land of boats... (laughs) And Mer- I really tried to come up with a better, actual, respectable name for the age of seafaring. No. Yarhar, the land of boats, as all historians refer to. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, in uh, in BCE, boat common era. Uh, anyway, but no, in the in the land of in the age of seafaring, uh, that is really when these things started to explode with. Like, uh, creepy sea shanties, ladies of the lake, ladies of the oceans, ladies in the stars, sirens, mermaids, octo-women. <laughs> I feel like you're just referring to women. You know, honestly, there's not a lot of... I don't know what you found in your research. Typically, things that are dangerous around water are female. What about sea serpents? You don't know the gender of a sea serpent. That's... Very well. Good. Sea serpents are just an animal. But, like, in your reading, did you ever read about, like, male figures that, uh, like, drag people to a watery grave? It's not really 
present. The, the things I read about, for the most part, I don't think gender played a huge role. Like, I'm just going to give a for instance, I read about the Kappa. Ah. The Japanese water spirits that look like a cross between a duck, a turtle, and a small child. And a, and a small pond. And a small pond, of course. But I, they don't really ever refer to the Kappa by gender. True. Uh, it does suck your guts out through your butt, so... As much of a gender as that can be, I suppose. This is something... Don't kink shame the Kappa. <laughs> I, okay. If it wants to murder you by sucking your guts out of your butt, let it. <laughs> I, uh, I do want to be... This is neither here nor there, and we won't get into it. One of my favorite things about uh, a lot of Asian urban legends... It's just... A, it, they, around, they revolve around a certain thing. Uh, it, they revolve around... You usually uh, ward these creatures off by good habits. Yeah. Like with the Kappa, if you bow to the Kappa, he spills the water out of his head and loses his power. There's a, a few urban legends that if you act busy or act courteous it will leave you alone so as long as you're like being a decent human being these urban legends will bother you at least in at least yeah in, in asian cultures yeah and and that's not all of them of course and these are mostly like uh cryptid boogeymen which it's very easy to put like uh didactic things cautionary in, tales. like cautionary tales because that's something you tell the children and then if if people are just running around being like the boogeyman's fucking shit up for no reason kids will just be terrified all the time but you yeah. as a shrewd parent will be like the boogeyman's fucking shit up because you don't put the broom away yeah and then the urban legend becomes you better put that fucking broom away or the boogeyman is gonna rip your ears out of your butthole exactly and so right now the cautionary tale we're living in is the city of austin is telling us to burn the water don't use the water, yes. or else we will die. Yeah. In which case, might as well happen anyway. Yeah. So what uh, What kind of urban legends of the water did you come up with? Well, a lot of urban legends surrounding water have, have to do with monsters. Oh. Or, or creatures, or some sort of unknowable thing within the water itself. That would make a lot of sense, considering my greatest fear. <laughs> Are you thassalophobic? Uh, is that the name of being afraid of big things that you can't see under the water? That's a good summary of it. Yeah, I am uh, terrified of being uh, in bodies of water of indeterminate depth with uh, large monsters in them. I'm looking up the actual definition of thassalophobia. It is an intense and persistent fear of the sea or of sea travel. So I large bodies of open water that you don't know how deep they are yeah if i i've been on a boat multiple times uh when i'm on a boat it's fine if i am floating in water really scary there was a movie a couple of uh probably decades at this point ago i think it was just called open water open water the shark movie yeah it was just about like two a, a couple that just gets stranded in the middle of the ocean with no recourse and uh, fuck that movie. Yes, uh, very much. Did I ever tell you the story of when I discovered that I had this very specific fear? I feel like you should regale us with the tale, even if I've already heard of it. It's, uh, I, we, I think we talked about it during the last Frightened Times. Uh, it is very short. It is, uh... T tell it like you would tell a haunted ghost story. Okay, ooh, the mist descends. Once upon a time... Yeah, no, lean once into a, it. Once into upon it. a time, there was a, a small child named John. He was sitting in his living room, 
on a day off. No, I think it was after Sunday school, and he was playing Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast. And in the first, he was playing the demo of Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast that he had played over a thousand times and was obsessed with. In the first level and the demo level of Sonic Adventure, there is a giant whale that chases you across a bridge and destroys the bridge. It's a big set piece. It was in all the press materials for the video game. John had played this demo so many times that he would, like, mess with the camera and, like, do a bunch of stuff in the game that you weren't necessarily supposed to do. Uh, and he discovered that you could angle the camera down while you're jumping over the part where the giant whale comes up for you. And because the water in that game is somewhat transparent, you see this giant fuck-off whale under the water under you? And it is not being chased by the whale that freaked him out, but it is the actual sight of a huge creature significantly larger than himself under the water, which triggered a very real, very visceral fear and made him yank the controller out of the Dreamcast and, like, leave the room. It was one of my first experiences with, like, a truly, largely irrational fear and the, like, ultimate fight-or-flight instinct it makes you... It was horrifying. Like, it, it made me flee from the room. That's... That's... That's hugely interesting. Yeah. Because you are in no actual danger. No danger whatsoever. It's just the sight of something like that in the water just immediately triggers my cat sees a cucumber re reflex. <laughs> like... So, so the thought, maybe, of, like, the blue whale, which is one of the largest mammals of all time, just it existing, even though they're not predatory... Yeah. Just it existing in the water, something impossibly huge. That scares you. I consistently have nightmares of sitting in a boat in open water and seeing massive shapes move under the water below me. If I was in a real life situation where I saw a blue whale moving around under me, knowing it's not predatory, I'd probably just blow my brains out. Oh my god. <laughs> probably not that bad, but I I I don't even know what I do. Just the impossibility of something that huge. Yeah. Knowing that we are on average well, you're tall, but like six feet. Yeah. And they're hundreds of feet. Something that much larger than me in an environment that is completely its own and completely not mine. Yeah. Horrifies me. There's a also a video game. There's a boss fight in Shadow of the Colossus that I find almost impossible to play. Yeah. Uh, there's this big undersea serpent that you can't see and you have to like grab onto and ugh, ugh. Now, I just want to know, for my own curiosity's sake, and I don't want to traumatize you or anything. That's fine. Have you heard of the sunfish? I have not heard of a sunfish. Uh, a sunfish is just a big amorphous blob of a fish. Uh-huh. But they can grow pretty huge. Holy shit. That's, that's a person next to that one. That looks photoshopped. I mean, I'm sure it isn't. It isn't. The sunfish, there's just this weird-looking, backwards-looking fish that can grow... Hundreds of times bigger than it should. What are your thoughts of the sunfish? Because it's it, completely harmless. Yeah, I think that seeing pictures of the sunfish in its natural habitat, I feel no fear. If I were to see it moving under the water under me, it would fill me with immediate visceral fear. So this, this is what triggered the fear at first, which is the sight of that whale under the water waiting for you. Yeah. But that sort of evolved to like an acknowledgement of, you physically being in the 
presence of a huge leviathan. Yeah, no, I mean I've I've been around like manatees and stuff in deep water. It freaks me out. Manatees, even and They're I see puppies. But what's crazy? The the sight of the manatee will freak me out. In that same trip, I went into the water, pet the manatees, hung out with them. No fear whatsoever. So you just submitted to breaking the law. In the place where I was, I did not pet the manatees. I misspoke. I made a motion of petting the manatees in a place where I was explicitly given permission to do so. Okay. You made a motion of petting and it touched I, you? No. I perfectly... Because they can touch you. I per, yes. The they can is, touch you. That is what happened. I put my hand out to say, no, no, manatee, I don't want to pet you. And then it, came and then and it, just... and then it allowed... It made me pet it. Yeah. Okay. That's what happened. <laughs> That's funny. That's what happened. Well, I don't mean to trigger this fear that I'm not sure I knew you had. That's believe me. Whatever you tell me, it's fine. I, if I just if I see it happening, I would freak out. But I found a list on Ranker.com, which mm-hmm. is a, a website where you can vote up and down various lists of things of large monsters from Star Wars. That is an like Rancor. Yeah. I understand where the reference came from. But this is a list of scary sea monster legends. And I just wanted to count down maybe the top eight. Yeah, let's do it. And uh, at number eight. Coming in at number eight. Coming in at number eight, all the way from Scotland. Ooh, the birthplace of scary underwater things. Do they make selfies? Loch Ness. Loch Ness, wow. Why is this not Loch Ness? <laughs> it's probably worse. This thing is called the Cryan Crone. That sounds pretty Scottish. <laughs> I, you're not going to get any help from me. That seems right. And uh, while its immense size poses a major threat that can, and can cause serious harm, the Cryan Crone likes to toy with, with its prey first. It's hi- it hides its enormous figure by sinking down to a fish. The size of your palm. Oh. Then, when a fisherman catches the seemingly non-threatening fish in his net, the crying crone transforms back into its original state and swallows the fisherman whole. I, uh, I like that, uh, I like that illustration. It looks like something out of a Dungeons and Dragons monster manual. It does! An enormous figure has a link that I'm clicking. And, uh, It goes to, uh... I have, Google Book. Yeah, I, I've reached the page. It's unavailable for my viewing. Good citation. Good citation, Ranker. All right. Number seven. Coming all the way from northern Scandinavia, the Jormungandr. Yes. I would say maybe Jormungandr. Jormungandr. This ancient sea serpent was believed to dwell in the great sea of Midgard, the human's world in Norse mythology. While not characterized as a ruthless beast that desires total destruction of everything in sight, legend says that the creature's body grows large enough to grasp and encircle the whole world. Oh, is that the Midgar Serpent? If the serpent lets go, the world will fall apart. So yeah, I guess it is the Midgard Serpent. Okay. Is that a sea creature? I don't think so. But I don't know. That picture looks like it has the sea in it. Rank down, Ranker. Eat it, Ranker. Number six coming from Greece, the Hydra. Ooh, god of war. (laughs) Was that a sea creature? Uh, well, I can tell you in the first level of the first god of war that it is at sea. 
Okay. So I guess so. Maybe. Oh, and Dark Souls. It's in water. Okay. Everyone checks out. Everyone knows what a Hydra is, so I'm skipping that. Okay. And in Kingdom Hearts, it was definitively a ground-based creature. Oh, because it came out of the ground? It, It had, like, legs. It had legs? Yeah, it had, like, a whole body, I thought. I've never played Kingdom Hearts. Oh, man, we should play it on stream. Was it based off the Hercules? Yes. So, yeah, I think that one had legs. Yeah, definitively ground-based. Coming in at number five, all the way from Celtic. Oh, (laughs) the land of Celtic. There's like three or four different versions of Celtic, but the Finfolk. Imagine, John. The horror of an underwater gang of mischievous sorcerers. Okay. Then imagine them using black magic and their shape-shifting powers to run amok in the city you were once you once deemed safe. Mm-hmm. On land, the Finn folk kidnap unsuspecting victims and single out certain men and women to keep as their spouses. Okay, wait. So underwater sorcerers... Who keep men and women as their spouses and run and uh, wreak havoc on society? Yeah. So they're like the Shadow Over Innsmouth Lovecraft people. Sure. Yeah. They they make people their spouses. I've never read any of H.P. Lovecraft's work. Oh, well, he's a xenophobic racist creep, so I love him. (laughs) He's he's one of my favorite authors, but boy, does he suck. I mean... Yeah, it's like Orson Scott Card proved himself to be a horrible person. Yeah. It doesn't mean Ender's Game is any less of a good work. Yeah, separate from the artist from art, except when you can't or shouldn't. And now we get to number four coming from Japan. Ooh. And it's not the Kappa. Okay. It's the Umibuzu. Okay. It's frightening when the sea is stormy, John. But for Japanese sailors, it's even more nerve-wracking to sail in calm, tranquil waters... Because that's when this enormous black phantom rises from the deep. Oh boy, I don't like that. Just the sight of this ghostly figure with pitch black skin and two large eyes will make you shiver until it decides to hurl, hurl your body overboard and drown you in the sea. That's, uh, I genuinely don't like that. I don't like a giant figure rising out of the sea. Here's a depiction of it. It just looks oh, like a boy. human... Really large eyes. That's real creepy. Are those... They kind of look like mouths. They kind of look like little mouths. Little mouths. Well, big mouths, comparatively. We get to the top three, John. They have defeated all of the other sea monsters. Yes. I like to think... I like to think that the, the monster... Like, three has beaten four and below. Yeah. In a battle to the death. It's all been a, a round-robin tournament. Yes. This is coming all the way from the culture of Judaism... Oh, I didn't know there were... You gotta are, think, like... Uh, are there Jewish sea serpents? Uh, Jado Christian? Oh, okay. So, like, the Leviathan. That's exactly what it is. Oh, shit! Yeah, the Leviathan. In a case of fire meets water, the Leviathan combines two of Earth's natural elements to massacre innocent <laughs> sailors. Nailed it. This fire-breathing sea monster boils the surrounding water to a skin-melting temperature. This would be great for Austin. It really would, it, it, as long as the water's boiled for three minutes. Yes. Resulting in turmoil, <laughs> turmoil and violent deaths. Nailed it. The Leviathan is one of the, the one of the end-time creatures, one of the big players. Yeah, it's a, uh, let's 
Leviathan, the Minotaur, or the Beast. What is it? No, the Beast is Leviathan, and that gets translated in and out, I yeah. think. There's Leviathan, there's a uh, seven-headed dragon with... Yeah, with the many tails. And, like, the heads uh, heads of a woman. Uh-huh. Um, there's the, the small scorpion flies that when they sting you, you feel pain for nine years. Oh, those suck. Don't want those. <laughs> and then there's a larger version of those, which I think they prefer to as a manticore. Okay. Maybe. So tiny manticores, big manticores? Yeah. Okay, I don't like any of those. Yeah, no, the Book of Revelations is a nightmare. Yeah. And it's also Leviathan my favorite sounds, book of the Bible. Leviathan sounds relatively calm by comparison. Oh yeah, all Leviathan does is boil every ocean on the earth, and so there is no water. Not unlike today in the city of Austin. <laughs> uh, come on, Leviathan. Give us some. Yeah, give us a break. Now we go all the way for the first time in this list, to Japan. Oh, for the first time never before seen, Japan. And it's not the Kappa. Really? Really. I think, I think I've think i also heard of this Japanese uh, urban legend monster called the um, Umibozu. Oh, you've heard tale of that. Is, uh, is it similar to that? Uh, I don't think this one comes out of the water. Oh, is it? Does it, does it go into the water? It is the water. Oh, this shit. This is called the Ninjin. Okay. With arms, legs, and five-fingered hands, the Ninjin's most horrifying feature is that it looks just like a human being. That's exactly like the Umibus. Okay. In fact, Ninjin means human in Japanese. Okay. But when you catch a glimpse of its noseless face, fins, and tail, there's no mistaking this thing as a cold-blooded killer. They live to spook shipmates by putting their spine-tingling physique on display above the surface. <laughs> what? <laughs> they come out of the Here's surface. This. They come out of the surface and they strike a pose. Here's the problem with that. Uh, here, the scariest thing about them, they look exactly like a human except for their noseless face. Fins and tails, they terrify you by showing their disgusting bodies, which look just like humans. Humans are fucking terrifying, man. <laughs> Apparently. They, they see this is in a in a world before mirrors, they're like, is that what I look like? Ew. Yeah, apparently, Japanese sailors I, I figured it out. I figured it out. They're the introverts of their society. <laughs> They're afraid of humans. <laughs> They're afraid of seeing someone else that they don't know. Like, they banded together. They're like, we're all going to get on the ship. Yeah. We're all going to go fishing. We're going to do what we do. And we all know each other. And we're all okay. We all understand that we're introverts. So we'll have our separate little corners of the ship. Yeah. And then what rises out of the water? But something that looks human, that strikes poses... <laughs> Is is very extroverted. <laughs> and they're I, like, no, we can't handle your energy. Do you think that uh, they are introverts and these are why these urban legends exist? Because the uh, Umibozu, is they were like turning a corner and they saw someone who was like <laughs> bast in shadow and they were like, oh, it's a demon. And they ran yeah. away. And then this one, they just like saw someone changing and they're like, oh, it's a demon. <laughs> All Japanese water legends are just introverted <laughs> sailors seeing... The, each other out of the corner of their eyes and going, oh, 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 it's just you. Oh, I thought it was that demon I saw one time. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was the umi, umi buzu. Yeah. What if, uh, what if for the noseless face they just saw someone changing, but like they were bald and like they put their glasses on their back of their head while they were changing and they're like <laughs> horrifying noseless face. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. 
And that brings us, John, to the number one scariest water creature legend of all time, according to this ranker list, coming to us from the culture of the Inuit. Ooh. Yeah, dark horse of the list of things I thought I would see tonight. I didn't know, I don't know a lot of Inuit folklore, so this should be a surprise to me. I think this is the first folklore I've ever read from the Inuit. This is called a Kwalupalik. 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 All right. And it looks it looks like this. Oh, what? No. Yeah. Looks, I don't like them. Looks like that. I don't like them at all. And here's a short little write-up. Even though this mythical evil mermaid has some human-like qualities, its green skin and long, grotesque fingernails distinguish it from mere mortals. The Kualupelik likes to kidnap children playing near the shore using a, a humming voice to lure them to the edge of the water. Some say she feasts on the youngs. On the young. <laughs> Others say she feeds off their youthful energy to preserve her beauty. Either way, it's a fateful ending. And that's kind of interesting, because I've heard numerous stories about, uh, like, drowners. Mm -hmm. Which specifically are, like, women who have either lost children, and so they, they lure children to the edge of the water and drown them to try to, like, reclaim their lost children. I've heard stories like that a, a bunch of times. And you may, in fact, hear another one soon. Yeah. Like the Wailing Women, I think they call them. Yeah, the, uh, so uh, I actually had one that kind of goes off of that. I think that's interesting that that's number one, though, because the other ones have a much greater capacity for destruction. I think it, if we want to observe this list or, like, look at it closely for a little while, it the range of urban legends when it comes to water reflects the like the bodies of water that people are, are used to. So the creatures that sailors are afraid of are huge because the ocean is huge. Yes. The, the creatures that the Inuit are afraid of are a little smaller because we're just talking about the shoreline. Yeah. And I think urban legends have a weird way of shaping to, of course, the, the, the city or the, the people that uh, make them up. And I mean, I, I guess they would have to because your your scope has to influence your urban legends because, I mean, if humankind, let's say we colonized the moon in the 60s, lived on the 60s, we'd have, we'd have moon urban legends. Oh, yeah. Because we'd, we always have urban legends surrounding something that includes our scope. But, I mean, if, if you have a society, and urban legends are born largely out of ignorance and fear, so, like, it... It comes out of what you see regularly, and usually it's going to be what you you what you do for entertainment or what you do for work, because these are like necessary components of your everyday life. Yeah. So if you imbue fear into those things, then it's that much more effective, especially in like uh, Inuit culture, the idea that around the the coastline it would be snatching your children up, and the coastline is something that's integral to your way of life. And can also serve as a cautionary tale for your children so that they don't get scooped up by, let's say, a seal, which is probably a, a more realistic danger, but you don't want to scare your kids. Uh, it's it's kind of like you want to warn them, but also obscure the reality of why you're warning them. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the truth of it, at the very least, when we talk to children about urban legends... The urban legends we tell them are horrifying ghost stories, but we tell them that because they're softer versions of the truth. Yeah. Because if you talk to your children like, don't go near the water, a seal will eat you. Uh, the sentence, a seal will eat you, shatters a child's worldview because they're like, things 
Want to eat me? Things that aren't mystical genuinely want to eat me. And then the question is like, does the seal want to kill me? It's like, it will if it can because it's hungry and your life means nothing to it. Then they're they're like, wait, my life could mean nothing? (laughs) Why are we on this planet? Why did you tell me this? Yeah, it's just like if you you tell children like to stay out of dangerous situations because it might be something mystical, it's because it's... The actual horrifying ghost story is what's true about it. Yeah. It's like, hey, stay out of the water because, uh, I don't know, there's a mon- there's a dragon in there. And they're like, oh, that makes sense. But if you're like, stay out of the water because sometimes there are unpredictable riptides which will pull you under the water and hold you against the ground until you drown and there's no reason for it. Yeah. <laughs> there's no spirit. There's no malevolence. There's just something that might happen and you die and you could do nothing about it. There, there's a force of nature that honestly cannot care if you live or die because it's not alive yeah and that's cold and cruel so let's make up a little hey look this is what happens a woman lost her children Mm -hmm. she wants to find her children so she drags children to the bottom of the ocean to try to get her children back and then it's like oh shit yeah (laughs) And, and, and before we before we get too far into the wailing woman thing i would like to talk specifically about that trope because it's something that exists in a lot of cultures yeah uh, and it actually is getting a fair amount of heat in popular culture right now in the zeitgeist. Because really? So here's the thing. Probably the most widespread and to me interesting and archetypical version of the Wailing Woman is the... Uh, and let me just make sure. Uh, it's a Latin American folktale called La Llorona. Yes, I've heard of it. La Llorona is coming out. And it's going to be a horror movie and looks bad. Oh, uh, I thought I thought the term was that's what you call the wailing woman. Yeah, you do call okay. it. La, La Llorona is the archetypical wailing woman in Latin American folklore. Has been around uh, since time immemorial. No one knows where it truly started, but it is uh, imagined to be one of the oldest folk tales in existence. And they're gonna make it. They're make. They've made it. Into a movie? Yeah, The Curse of La Llorona, which it's amazing to... And I mean, I'm butchering the pronunciation a little bit, but watching people in that trailer pronounce La Llorona is garbage. Can I see a spelling of it? La Llorona. Yeah. La Llorona. La Llorona. Uh, So I just want to read straight from Wikipedia, which is weirdly enough the best write-up on La Llorona that I got, uh, because it's actually pretty wide-ranging and it doesn't... uh, delve too much into theatrics okay so uh the legend of la llorona goes as such the legend is said that in a rural village there lived a young woman named maria maria came from a poor family but was known around her village for her beauty One day, an extremely wealthy nobleman traveled through her village. He stopped in his tracks when he saw Maria. Maria was charmed by him, and he was charmed by her beauty, so when he proposed to her, she immediately accepted. Maria's family was thrilled that she was marrying into a wealthy family, but the nobleman's father was extremely disappointed that his son was marrying into poverty. Maria and her new husband built a house in the village to be away from his disapproving father. Eventually, Maria gave birth to twins, a boy and a girl. Her husband was always traveling and stopped spending time with his family. When he came home, he only paid attention to the children and Maria knew her husband was falling out of love with her. One day he left and never returned. Years later, as Maria and her twins were walking by a river, she saw a familiar carriage with a younger, beautiful woman next to her husband. 
Maria was so angry and confused that without thinking, she picked up her two children and threw them into the river, drowning them. Only after she saw their bodies floating in the river did she realize what she had done and then jumped into the river hoping to die with her children. Now she spends eternity looking for her children around that river. It is said that if you hear her crying, you are to run in the opposite way. If you hear her cries, they could bring misfortune or even death. Many parents in Mexico and Guatemala use this story to, to scare their children from staying out too late or near bodies of water. And of course, there are increasing permutations on the story. Yes. At the gates of heaven, she was challenged over the whereabouts of her children and not permitted to enter the afterlife until she found them. Yorona was forced to wander the earth for all eternity, searching in vain for her drowned offspring. She constantly weeps, hence her name. She is caught between the living world and the spirit world. And for La Llorona, the most common telling of this story, which this doesn't go into very much, is that she will wail to children, and if she finds children, she drowns them. Yes. Uh, she drowns them, or she takes them away, never to be seen again whatsoever. For either the reason being like, oh, she mistakes, it, mistakes the children for her children, and she wants to take them so that she can finally rest... Or she gets angry that it's not her children, and so she drowns them out of spite. Yes, and uh, there, are, there are additional versions of the story where uh, she has the children with her husband, but her husband does not care for the children, so to continue her life with her husband, she drowns them, but she loses her senses and doesn't know what she's doing. It's, uh, it's really sad, as far as folktales go, and it's one of the, the most... It's one of the most directly deadly urban legends. Because this one is just, if found, if La Llorona finds you when you were a child, she will drown you to death. Yes. Uh, but it's it's something that I think is kind of found in almost every culture. But two things that are, that are pretty interesting to me about this. Number one is there is actually a reasonable-ish explanation... For La Llorona. For certain phenomena of La Llorona? Or? Yes. Okay. So, uh, in the areas, and this is hearsay probably, but in the areas where La Llorona is uh, consistently referenced the most in folklore, especially for saying to stay away from bodies of water, there are parts of Latin America where mountain lions are extremely prevalent. A mountain lion's cry sounds like a screaming woman. It does. And a mountain lion's favorite food is children. <laughs> All good points. Yes. Uh, but that is that is one of the most easily acceptable explanations for why children would just go missing. In addition to the thousands of reasons small children go missing and die around bodies of water. Yeah. And there was a moment... Mountain lion cries are seriously, like, spine-chilling. They sound like women like getting murdered. Yeah, if you can, uh, if you can either listen to a mountain lion cry or insert one into the episode here, uh, then I, I would I would highly recommend you listen to it because it's a beggar's belief. I've heard a mountain lion cry a couple of times in my life. Happy frightened times, dear listeners.
Henry thought it good to dig me out for this, a disclaimer for what you are about to hear. You see, young ones, John jokingly said to put a mountain lion screaming into the episode. And Henry did. And it was fucking frightening, in it. So here is a disclaimer that what you are about to hear is a mountain lion screaming. There is no other word for it. It is not a roar. It is not a call. It is a scream. Henry also wished for me to stress that the following audio has not been doctored in any way. This is really how mountain lions sound like. All right. You have been warned. Ha, ha, ha. Happy frightened times to all. Recording or for real? In real life. Oh, I've never heard one in real life. Ah, uh, very scary. Now, I, I can't find the exact example of this. I can look it up later. There is an actual case where a woman drowned her children uh, in a body of water. And then consistently in police interviews, and she attested to this up until her eventual punishment for that, that she was La Llorona. That she was... She, in she insisted that it was her. That she is it. That she is the ghost. Yes. Yeah, that's a real thing. What was the sentence? I don't remember. Oh. I wish I could have found it. I could swear it was on Wikipedia. Uh, but yeah, Wailing Woman, really archetypical, really classic urban legend. But I think La Llorona is the, the OG Wailing Woman. I think so. And I think that... Uh, I don't know, a fear of drowning is definitely a part of this. But I think that the, the greatest fear that something like this generates in someone is the actual story of her loss because it it kind of boils down everything that we look for in a good urban legend because it has a great and tragic human cost to it it has a great story it has something that ideally we can kind of all relate to in her plight not the killing her children no but but the we, loss of her children the loss of her children and we we understand her plight and her husband falling out of love with her which I don't know if it's like weirdly misogynistic that it's always she kills. She almost always kills her children to like follow a man. Even in the permutation of the story where La Llorona is like a mistress of Hernan Cortez and he takes like another wife or something. Uh, but typically, and this pops up a lot in much older folk tales, uh, women do most of the ghastly things either to get back at or get back with a man. Huh. I mean, I think it would have been better if she just drowned him just cause. Just cause. Yeah, she just didn't like him. In a way, it also serves as a cautionary tale to mothers. Because in in the version of the folktale, or the, not the folktale, the, the urban legend where she, at the gate of heaven, is denied paradise because, you know, like, where are your children? Mm -hmm. It kind of serves as a warning, you know, take care of your children. Because yeah. if you do bad things to them, you're going to be denied 
the you know the end game and then you have to wander around lakes and rivers wailing and drowning children you have to it's that's now your job but really la llorona has one of the most varied uh urban legend kind of tableaus i've ever read because every version is different and it is tailored each and every version is tailored to the location to a specific and typically for smaller villages la llorona will have personalized versions like they will be like people's names or people from that village or a neighboring village uh it's it's so widespread that it's highly permutable because nothing is all you need is a body of water for la llorona to apply yeah so you can kind of like copy and paste that folklore kind of everywhere to fit your needs and in a way it's the perfect urban legend which is why almost every culture has a wailing woman urban legend i I mean it's fascinating when you hear about urban legends that spread across different cultures. And one of the reasons why La Llorona is so easily spread is because so many cultures, so many cities, so many societies are built around water. You have to be. Yeah. To be, I mean, just in the early days without a water source, you didn't last a day. Now in the city of Austin, we got Coke Zero Sugar. Yeah. And so we can keep going on. If La Llorona came out of bottles of Coke Zero Sugar and drowned you, that would be a true horror story. Yeah, and the city of Austin would stand no chance. We wouldn't. We'd all be drowned. (laughs) But back in the day, you know, the OG, as they call it, OG society. The original ghost. The original ghost. You needed water to survive for fish, for for, for transportation, for trade, all of these things. And... So that, that that urban legend could spread like water fire. Yes, like burning water. Exactly. Uh, and uh, I, I just, I'm a big fan of, and I, I keep bringing this up because I think that most, if not all of the urban legends I've brought up on here are very, very archetypical, very standard, very kind of old school urban legends. Uh, and I think that's because their staying power can't be, it can't be overstated. Because even I'm a little freaked out by La Llorona, because imagine you were just, you know, doing what you do near water, fishing, hanging out, and then you get drowned. Nobody wants that. No bueno. Nobody wants that. I I know, though, with this water ban, some drowning sounds pretty good. (laughs) All the water I can drink until I die. My my kingdom for a drowning. But um, I, I think the staying power of the OG urban legends, the ones that we keep telling throughout time, they all they play off like primal things, you know? And the fact that all early civilization was around water, whereas today, we have to create our own urban legends, and the, their staying power hasn't been tested quite yet, or they become novelties and niche, like the Slender Man kind of thing, yeah, which was a an internet-born... Sort of, let's just make a, a scary story, mm-hmm. kind of thing, and it kind it, it of the things that the internet has tried to do over the years. The Slenderman is the most, uh, I guess, popular or the the one with the most staying power. Yeah, definitely one of the most successful. I mean, it uh, it popularized a genre of horror, which is just like weird, creepy stories on the internet. Yeah, weird, creepy stories with grainy photographs. Yeah, have you ever read Ted the Caver? No. So Ted the Caver is my favorite internet scary story. Okay. Uh, it has a, it, if we want to talk about internet scary stories not having staying power, I was thinking about this earlier. Ted the Caver is very real. Not that it, I don't know if it really happened. Is this the guy that found the cave mark of an M? 
Uh, it's about a guy who goes caving. Okay. I would recommend in the downtime between episodes that you read Ted the Caver. And we can discuss it next week? Yes. All right. I will reread Ted the Caver much as I am not wont to do so. I'll do it. Please do. Um, if we, because that thing has been around for maybe greater than 10 years. Okay. It's one of the, it's one of the most staying internet scary stories. All right. I'll read it. We can discuss it next week. But I kind of want to circle back just a little bit to La Llorona. Mm-hmm. You said there was some cultural backlash with the new movie. Is it, well, Can we just briefly talk about that? Uh, I just think that uh, the backlash so far has just been that the movie looks bad and that... Uh, at least in the trailers for it, people aren't pronouncing the name correctly. It does not seem to have a, a particular interest in in telling the story with dignity, which I don't know for a folklore, for a piece of folklore, for an urban legend with so many different permutations. I don't know how much dignity could be reserved. Yeah. But really, I haven't gotten into it too much. I just know that the movie's coming out. When is it coming out? Let me see. All right. This year, probably. Well, I mean, there's only so many weeks left. I fucking lied to you. It's coming out in 2019. Who cares? It's next year. It's uh, ne- April 19th, 2019. Oh, yeah. The common horror movie release time, spring. Yeah, the the best time to... Uh... In April, no less. So that movie's gonna bomb. Hopefully. No, it will. It's a bad release time. It's a horror movie in spring. Got no shot. It's uh, directed by a Michael Chavez. Maybe we're saying the name wrong. Uh, it might be Michael Chaves. <laughs> oh, <laughs> different name. I see what you mean. Uh, yeah. But before we go down a movie rabbit hole, yes, that movie looks bad. All right. I just wanted to know if there was specifics about the cultural backlash. No, nah, I wish there was. That would be a way more interesting thing to talk about. We got to wait until we get closer to that that release date yeah that we have to uh do a frightened times in april it's a real christmas in july christmas in july christmas in july scenario 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 you got like a thing you want to talk about i don't know we got a little bit of time left we've got a very small amount of time very small amount of time left and i mean we just covered la llorona which i feel like is like the the end all be all of water urban legends and, you know, I've got little small things like the Kappa and just, just, we, okay, we can do a small little tiny segment, a little bite. Micro, micro a, bite. A little, a little sip of pathogen infested water. <laughs> Ooh, finally. And, My uh, pores. And, and we, this, this ties into what we talked about, like water being sort of like the lifeblood of civilization. And so urban legends sort of spilling out of that uh-huh and so here's a here's some weird country urban legends from from the olden days the old time i like my urban legends a little bit country but she likes her urban legends a little bit rock and roll i cannot do the rock and roll part <laughs> there are no rock and roll urban legends no there are there are yeah there, yeah dude seriously okay fine like like I'll um up. that one guitarist who's, who went to the crossroads of Mississippi to sell his soul. Oh yeah, to the devil. They're they're so oh, rock and shit. roll urban legends. Okay, you're right. Yeah. Okay. They exist. I'll look them up. We can talk about them next week. So, here is some little country urban legends about water. Uh, an English rural custom says that a woman who splashes too much water around as she does laundry 
or washes dishes will be cursed with a husband who drinks to excess. Okay, so, uh, that's a pretty good urban legend. Um, he, now here's the thing. What's up? Uh, now me and my girlfriend. Okay. Definitively not married. Yes. It's not, it's not, it's not a legal designation that's happening. Uh, but I know that she does have a tendency to use a lot of water when like cleaning her makeup. And I know that I am an alcoholic. <laughs> so if things continue, this urban legend may be true. <laughs> I like I like the interpretation that you did. My alcoholism, is that because of my girlfriend using a lot of water? It's it's manifest it's not manifest destiny, it's just destiny. Yeah, that you're yeah. manifesting. Yeah. Did you know, John? Spilling water from a bucket on the way back from a well or spring can bring misfortune? Unless, of course, you return to the source and make an offering to appease the spirits of the place. Is the offering bring back the water you lost? You can't. You spilled it. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. I feel like the misfortune is you spilt the water, you dummy. And now you have to go you, talk to a demon. You have to go back to the source to get more water. Man, that's how people in that's listen. That's a socioeconomic problem. Back in the Middle Ages, people would like be taking water, doopy doop, spill some water, go back to a well, put a gold quarter in there, keep going, spill some water, go back, put more money in there, and then just the rich landowner, the rich ghost, would drain the well and get all the money out. I feel like it's uh, you tell your kids. Your kids come back with the empty bucket, and they're like, "Oh, I spilled all the water. I, I, can't, I didn't we couldn't bring the water back because I spilled it." And you tell them, "Well, you know, you got a demon on you until you go <laughs> back and appease them by making an offering by getting more water. We need the water to make the bread. You, yeah, yeah, you got to bring back the water so we can make the bread. And if you don't bring back the water for the bread, I'll drown you, and I will, I will be <laughs> denied entrance into heaven, and I will exist as a wailing woman. What if that was the story? What if the way that, what if the way that La Llorona got propagated was not people saying, don't go near water or you'll get drowned by a spirit. It's mothers saying, don't misbehave or I'll drown you and become a forever penitent ghost as a result and all of my future drowning victims will be on your drowned hands <laughs> i will exist forever drowning indiscriminately until the human race is dust <laughs> and don't forget i will drown you <laughs> that would be a very good way to propagate an urban legend that that there's your movie michael shaves <laughs> there's your movie michael shaves John, in parts of Appalachia, it is believed that if you dream of crossing water, there will be an illness in your family. If your dream includes muddy or stagnant water, then bad luck is on the way. Okay, but isn't the illness or... Wait, no, if it's running, it's illness. But if, if it's, it's stagnant or muddy, it's bad luck. What if it's perfect... Wait, you have to cross water? or Apparently. Okay, but what if it's just a perfectly clear lake? Are you good? It does not say. Man, I guess that's why people in Appalachia drink moonshine. <laughs> exactly. It's not water. Because the, the wa if you leave the water out and it gets stagnant, that's bad luck. Yeah. Also, it's just unhealthy. Stagnant I water is unhealthy. Now, uh, I have been drinking mostly moonshine since the water burn went into effect. 
Yeah, because you know what happens when they they issue a water burn notice? You drink fire water. Yeah, it's if the water's on fire, you drink fire water. It's the old sailor's tale. The old <laughs> sailor's rhyme. The old sailor's rhyme. If wait, it's got a rhyme now. I've got it. Yeah. It goes A A B B. And I'm not gonna make you do it. Alright. Um Shit. Just say a line, John. Okay. It's fine. If the water burn if if the water burn is in effect, fire water is in effect. <laughs> Wait, I've got it. John. I've got it, though. <laughs> oh. It's a sailor's rhyme. You so don't the, drink water. You know word good. The next part, though, is pretty important because it goes. And it's... if at sea you have the flu, Omi Bozu comes for you. There you go. All right. Yeah, so don't be sick at sea. Yeah. And uh, drink whiskey. Drink whiskey, don't be sick. These are great life advices. Yeah, also the national state logo of Kentucky. In Appalachia? Appalachia. Appalachia. Uh, the, the mountains of the Appalachian chain. <laughs> Man, it's really a shame that there's only one more episode of The Frightened Times. Yeah, you and, know. And there's not enough time to discuss the folktale of Appalachia. Appalachia? Appalachia? Alar. Wait, hold on. Am I saying it fucked up? Appalachia. 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 Apple. Lay. Sha. La Yorona. La Yorona. Oh. Well. This has been a punchy frightened times. So punchy. We're. I think the lack of water makes us less afraid and that much more likely to trip and fall as we're running away from the water murder. We run away from the water murder into a lake and then drown. Thanks, La Llorona. <laughs> Man. Oh. You know what we should probably do? Drink some water. <laughs> we should probably drink some water, uh, but that will probably be 10 to 14 days before we can do that i haven't gone to the bathroom in years so at the very least what we can do is we can uh sate our thirst with some quenchy plugs sounds good to me so of course uh and i'm going to try to maintain energy throughout this but i may expire uh well reciting them my body is very low on essential nutrients and electrolytes but if you would like to share with us your thrilling tales of being in the burn water band, you can send those to us on Twitter at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. Already said Twitter, but that stands for Henry. That stands for Zend Us Some Water, Please. <laughs> That's what it stands for. And if you'd like to attach a picture of some water to an email and then fax it to us, you can email that to zerocreditsisapodcast at gmail.com. Send us your emails. Send us your emails. Send us your water. And, of course, we are on Facebook. Search Zero Credits Facebook and the pod... Search Zero Credits Podcast in the Facebook search bar. We are on Spotify. Search for Zero Credit, open parentheses, S, close parentheses. Join the Legion. Join the Leviathan. The Seven-Headed Serpent comes from the sea. 
which one of was supposed to be Nero? And we are on iTunes. So like, comment, and subscribe on iTunes for whatever of those features iTunes still allows you to do. Please leave us a review. It's one of the most important things for getting the word out about this account. If you do that, we won't have to start a Patreon or a Buy Me a Coffee. Most importantly, however, outside of giving us money, the most important thing you can do is... Word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. There was a scary noise. So tell your friends uh, that if they don't listen to the podcast that you will drown them and you will become a penitent spirit and uh, you will go around sucking people's guts out of their butts and boiling all the seas. Tie-ins, tie-ins, tie-ins. And from everyone here in the desert that will soon be known as Austin... And downtown LA at the Frightened Times headquarters, we want to wish you a thirsty week for blood. Hey, John. What's up? You know what they say. Huh? Red sky at night, sailor's delight. Yellow sky in the morning, day. Ugh. (laughs) Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. (laughs) 